Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Dave Berg, welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Awesome to have you on the show. How are you today? Doing great, Michael. I want to just give you a little background about you know, why we're doing this podcast and what, what inspired it. And, and really, it's the fact that our, our healthcare system isn't working today and the fact that healthcare costs continue to rise at, at an unsustainable pace. You know, we've, we've talked about this in the past. You know, it's, it's broken for a lot of us, uh, but for, for others, you know, for a lot of the players in the marketplace, in the healthcare space, it's working just fine because they're making a lot of money. So what we seek to do here on this show is educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. And, and really our interest is in helping those employers, CFOs, HR directors, and benefit managers who are ready and, and really yearning for something different. So you ready to, uh, to offer an alternative to the status quo? Let's go. To give our audience uh, a little context, about who Dave Berg is. Uh, I'm going to read a bio here and then, uh, and then we'll jump into the interview. So Dr. David Berg is co-founder and chairman of the board of Redirect Health. He helps oversee operations and develops innovative ways to enhance the company's processes and procedures for identifying most cost-efficient, high-quality routes for common health care needs. In addition to leading Redirect Health, Dave co-founded Arrowhead Health Centers in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a comprehensive and integrated network of patient-centered medical homes and surgery centers. In addition to that, uh, there are numerous specialties that are integrated into uh, the healthcare experience uh, at Arrowhead Health Centers and includes family practice, pain and injury management, rehabilitation, chiropractic, orthopedics, podiatry, cardiology, laboratory, radiology, and diagnostic testing. Dave majored in physics and biology at the University of Toronto before earning his doctor of chiropractic degree in 1990. There you go. Does that sound like you? Uh, pretty close, but but it, truthfully, it's uh, it sounds like two careers ago sometimes. <laughs> yep, you and I had an interesting way of how we we, we came about meeting, and I want to share that with our listeners before I uh, start asking you a bunch of questions. I was listening to a a Joe Polish Dan Sullivan podcast in late July 2016, and you were a guest on their show. And you started telling a story about how you had decreased your healthcare costs by 30% over an eight-year period. I'm pretty sure I was in my car. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's full of it. There's nobody I know that's been able to decrease their healthcare costs at all, like at all over an eight-year period, let alone by 33%. So I got home from wherever I was coming from. I looked you up on your website. I contacted you and asked if I could have a meeting. And I flew out to Phoenix to, to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. So let's start with that story. What was happening to your company back in 2007? And what did you do about it? Are you talking about the story about when you came into my office and told me I was full of crap? Are you talking about that story? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And, and actually, that was um, we actually just finished up 2016 and we got some final numbers and we had our best year ever. I don't even have... Uh, we did, we did better than we did last year, and it, it's just product of getting smarter and smarter. And um, I'm so convinced healthcare costs are not going up. The waste and the administration and all the regulations and bureaucracy we attach to it are much more expensive today. But for anybody who can just capture the healthcare and not have to purchase the waste and the administration that's, that's always attached to it, 
can do very well today. Awesome. Well, well, I hope when we're done here, I hope people have a good feel for how to do it. But let's let's go all the way back to 2007. What was happening to your company back then, and and what did you do about it? So in, in 2007, we had just come off of a number of years, like three, four years of doing really, really, really well. And then we took a nosedive as we grew, were growing so, so well. We'd implemented a whole bunch of strategic planning and, and it was working really, really well. I'd got a lot of coaching and we just put a lot of effort into the company and it was doing great. And then it grew so big that we started just losing our edge and we lost our productivity and our margins. And I was the CEO of the company at that time. And uh, I still own the company, but I'm not the CEO anymore. Um, and my assessment was that the number one problem I was having is that I was losing my very best hourly wage employees, maybe two a month. And then it was, you know, I might lose them with three weeks notice, but it'd take me 10 weeks to even replace the, uh, the competency. But over that turnover of our great employees, we were also losing core value alignment and we were losing the teamwork and the productivity and profitability. And when I, you know, sat down and talked to the people on exit interviews, what was going on? It was very reasonable. They had to leave me. They hated it. There were some tears. They hated leaving. It was the company was really serving their needs in all aspects, except they they wanted to have families, but they couldn't afford the copays and the deductibles. And as I was doing what everybody else was doing at the time, my broker was actually advising me this was a viable strategy. Was to as the deductibles went or as the, the premiums went up, I would just raise my deductibles so that I would share some of the you know the premiums would not be as high. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that my employees couldn't afford the deductibles or the copays. So if they wanted to start a family, they'd have to go join a big corporation like a, a bank or American Express or one of the big insurance companies or, you know, in town or a hospital system. And I found that I became a very good training site or training ground for um, some big corporations. And it was always with my best employee. So I knew I couldn't beat them by offering to pay more of the premiums for the healthcare and the bigger companies could get better healthcare premiums than I could anyway. Right. And I, it was just a losing game for me. So I had this flip it. I knew how to do healthcare and I knew how healthcare delivery worked. And I knew how some of the waste and the inefficiency was in the system at the time. I didn't know where all of it was, but I knew where some of it was. So I just flipped it and I just started in order to not lose employees, provide this healthcare first model, which was the first genesis of of a redirect health today. And it just worked really, really well. And uh, we put a self-funded model in place mm-hmm. um, so that when the savings did happen, um, it was redirected back into our company. Hence the name for the company. We weren't that creative at the time and it's it stuck with us, but it is a very um, appropriate term because we really are redirecting funds back to the company so we can share it with our employees in the form of better benefits and I mean, if I jump forward today, we have uh, 200 employees. At that time, only had uh, under 70, I believe. Um, we have over 200 employees today, and mm-hmm. we have another 250 dependents. So about 450 people, full-timers and part-timers, we provide free health care for. No co-pays, no deductibles, no premiums. And we pay less today per person than we paid, I think, back to 2002. Um, we just don't have any numbers. We're you know, going back, and there's a lot of estimating that happened back there. But definitely, yep. we pay much less than we paid in 2007. So when you say that, anyone listening is going to, the question that's going to come to their mind is how? And so when, when you went self-funded in, in 2008, what did you find as you went yeah. through that process? Yeah. So the first thing I did in 2007 is I started providing great healthcare to my people and making it really easy. And I'm talking about the routine healthcare now, meaning mm-hmm. the primary care, the injury care, the chiropractic, that is a secret weapon against the uh, orthopedic and hospital costs, the chiropractic, if done right and coordinated with the medical well. 
um, labs, immunizations, preventive services. We just did that really, made that really easy and, and affordable and uh, took care of people in, in the way, really in the way we took care of, we took care of family at that time. And we had pretty normal insurance at that time. But what we found is that our non-routine expensive stuff, so the hospitalization, the surgeries, the specialists, the specialty drugs, those costs went down dramatically. And we expected incredible savings from our insurance company next year because we knew that there was just, they didn't spend any money because we were tracking it um, with our with our new system in 2007. And um, we actually got a 23% increase in our cost, even though we are about healthcare and the insurance company gave us a 23% increase because we were pooled with a whole bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. And we really, that's when I learned I couldn't affect it on my own. But if I'm self-funded, now I can control that. I can have the data. I get the benefit of those savings back to me as an employer. And then I could further distribute that in new jobs or wages or a Christmas party or, you know, profits, whatever I wanted to do. Any business owner would rather have the, the money in their pocket to make decisions on how to spend it than uh, be forced to pay it to an insurance company or anybody. So over that time period, you were able to, to you went self-funded, you decreased your costs. And, and based on what you learned, you, know, you said, hey, this is working for us. You know, we should see if we can help some other companies. So, you know, you, you launched Redirect Health. So can you, can you uh, tell not, me? not quite, actually. Not, not quite. I, we didn't launch it until 2013 or 14, actually. But I, I remember now, Michael, I built this for myself. I had a problem. This was a solution for my own company. It worked wonderfully, and it gave me an incredible hiring advantage, meaning that if, if, I were providing, if I was providing free health care to people, everyone else was charging them a portion or had copays and deductibles, I, I had to solve my problem of turnover of my best hourly employees. So that was totally solved back in 2008 by right. myself, even 2007. Uh, but then the, rece- the recession hit, and a lot of my friends were getting in trouble. Business owner friends were getting in trouble where some of them went out of business, companies went out of business, and the insurance companies lost their members. They would then have to put, you know, the people who survived were surviving the recession were getting 20, 30% increases, I'm sure you remember. Mm-hmm. And so I just helped my friends with the same strategy of putting healthcare first or routine healthcare first. I helped them put that in place. And um, every single one of them, without even really trying, saved 20, instead of a 30% increase, they all got a 20, 30% decrease in the first year, which was very powerful to put all that money on the bottom line. I know I have one friend that put 90,000 bucks on his bottom line um, during the recession. He told me that that would be the equivalent of about $900,000 of revenue he would have had to make, and he would not have been able to make $900,000 of extra revenue during the uh, recession. So I think it would have put him out of business. So I had a bunch of friends that with this strategy, the timing was perfect. You know, it was so needed. And the timing was perfect for this need. We, I just helped them for, uh, for free. And then um, same with the Obamacare um, scare came up where people were concerned. Business owners are concerned about what Obamacare is going to mean in 2009 and 10 mm-hmm. and 11. And they were starting to talk about making everybody go part-time and cut their company down to under 50, all things that wouldn't have worked. Um, our government was way ahead of us on those strategies, but they thought it might work. And I was just saying, guys, time out. That's not what business people should be focusing on. You don't, your margins aren't high enough to be distracted that way. The s- solution that I had already put in place already complied with Obamacare and sure. way more than Obamacare is ever requiring without having to do anything. So the Obamacare issues were not, an, not a problem for me 
and my company and any of my friends that we had put this into. And then in 2013, uh, my current business partner, Paul Johnson, who used to be mayor of Phoenix and uh, very well connected in the business community here in Phoenix. He was a chairman of my board and best friend for many years. He convinced me, he said, you know, he said, the most valuable thing we're doing at Arrowhead Health Centers is this health plan we're doing for ourselves. It is the number one thing growing our business right now. Number one thing making us the employer of choice in the entire city in healthcare. We, we need to roll this out to other companies. And I'd helped his company too. He's one of my friends that I'd helped his company. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd helped Bunt and his brother. And he convinced me to do this. And we decided to partner and create Redirect Health at the beginning of 2014. Um, the interesting thing is I, I'd created a Ferrari healthcare plan, like best in the, in the country. And I was mm-hmm. selling it for, you know, we're trying to sell it for Cadillac prices. And the market said, no, thank you. Actually had our, our first customer. It took us 10 months to, find, to get that customer. But he convinced us to uh, change our product, which is the number one thing we sell today. So the market was right again. And I would say today we sell a Cadillac product for a Volkswagen price, which is really more aligned with what the market wants. And sure. it makes sense today. It didn't, didn't to me at the time. I thought, who wouldn't want a Ferrari for a Cadillac price? It makes sense. Cadillac yeah. for a Volkswagen price is way better. And, and so we, we started in 2014, like two, two years and two months ago with our first client. And now we have over 6,000 members. That's incredible. So let's let's get into what the product is. Redirect Health is not an insurance company. So so explain to the audience what services you're providing to employers uh, and or individuals, and uh, and we'll go from there. Right. So we we flip the model. You know, everybody is in this insurance first model, and they don't even really recognize it. And it, it's really a crazy system if you think about it. It's actually closer. It, it is insane. I mean, can you imagine if we, if anybody were to spend so much of their money on car insurance, Geico, Progressive, mm-hmm. Allstate, and they had, they didn't have enough money left over for gas to drive their car. And then they, you know, they make it even crazier. They leave their gas, their, their car with no gas in it in the driveway and they ride their bike to work. It's crazy. <laughs> and isn't that what we're being taught to do with, with our health insurance? Go spend money on health insurance. And then how many people, especially if they make $15 an hour, which is the average wage for an American worker, have yeah. any money left over for co-pays and deductibles, even if they can afford to miss work and take time off. It, it's absolute insanity to me that we would spend so much money on the insurance and then not have enough money left over for the health care. Well, that's, and that's, we wouldn't that, do that with any other part of our life, but we do it with health insurance. That's that's exactly right. I mean, even if you were to look at some of the plans on the, uh, you know, the California exchanges, you know, you've got these, you know, low premium plans that have $6,000 deductibles. So how does that yeah. help? How does that help the person who who is getting that insurance? Because they still got to pay six thousand dollars. It doesn't, and the employer is being forced into into um, where those a lot of the so, so with the fifty percent participation requirements, the easiest way to do that is the insurance company just says, well, the employer has to contribute more so that the lower paid employees can afford it. But it forces insurance on them or encourages them at least to um, to get that insurance that they can never afford to use because the copays and deductibles are so high. And I mean, I think it's craziness. So all we did is we said, you know, why do we have to spend our the first dollars of our health care budget on insurance? Why can't we spend the first dollars of our health care budget? on the healthcare, the routine healthcare that everybody is going to need and use. 
the primary care, the injury care, the chiropractic, the immunizations, the labs, the preventive services, and take away all the co-pays and take away all the regulations, take away all the coding, just make it a subscription model. And I kind of had to make it a subscription model because as I was designing it for myself, my own company, I designed out many of the profit streams for the other players. And because I was, I want, this plan was designed to serve my company. I didn't need all these profit centers in there for other people. And so the only way to keep it pure was to turn it into a subscription. So we created a $105 subscription per person, 300 for the whole family, 200 for two people Mm -hmm. um, with healthcare first. And then what we did is we said, now let's put the appropriate types of insurance on top of it and let people pick the actual families pick what type of insurance is best for their family and their need. You know, I never realized this at the time, but I do now. We all have the same healthcare needs. Michael, your little girl is just as likely to break her arm as mine is. Your wife is just as likely to get a cold as mine. You're just as likely to get cancer, have a heart attack as I am. Our healthcare needs are very similar. Mm -hmm. For many of us, our insurance needs are totally different. So if I make $10 an hour, I'm going to probably go bankrupt on $2,000. Why would I have a, what good is a $6,000 deductible policy? Why would I spend my premium dollars, hard-earned premium dollars on insurance where I'm going to go bankrupt in the deductible? And it really doesn't matter to me if I'm going to go bankrupt at $2,000 or $5,000 if I have a $100,000 bill. It just doesn't matter at some point. And similarly, if I make a lot of money, I don't really care about $6,000 or $5,000 or $2,000 can irritate the heck out of me if I get ripped off, if I spend too much. But I really am trying to protect against the the $50,000, the $200,000 bill, or maybe higher even, Mm -hmm. um, though though they don't happen very often. So my financial risk mitigation needs are totally different if I make a lot of money or a little money or have a lot of assets or no assets. So I just think it's a, it's a travesty that we, we tell people and teach them that if you, if you don't have insurance, you're in trouble. I'm, I'm going to give you just an interesting stat that uh, just blows me away. And, uh, but 69% all personal bankruptcies happen because of medical costs. 69%. Follow me in these numbers. Yeah. We would think that that means people don't have insurance. Not true. 78% of those went bankrupt and they had insurance. So they went bankrupt. That is, that is shocking. Is because of deductible. It's 50% of all, you know, 78% of 69 is over 50% of all personal bankruptcies happen to people because of medical costs when they have insurance. My, what I'm saying here is if you have to pick between insurance or healthcare, please put your money on healthcare. If you have to pick between your life insurance or eating, feeding your family, please feed your family before you buy life insurance. Right? It just makes sense to put the insurance last after you paid for the thing you're insuring. If you don't have money, sacrifice the insurance. Don't sacrifice the thing you're insuring. I mean, to me, that's just common sense, but I get that I didn't always think this way, so I know it can't be as common as it, as, as reasonable as I think it is now. I understand that. Well, I, I think... You know, it's a, it's a good example of why the current system doesn't work. It's a good example of, of why, you know, rates you know, keep going up. And here's one of the biggest problems with employers today. It's, it's, it's complacency. People have gotten to the point where they've almost said they've lost hope. You know, they think that, you know, we're stuck in this yeah. system. You know, hey, we're getting a 9% increase this year. Oh, that's great. And they just come to expect it. You know, it's going to go up every year and we're going to do yeah. what we can. 
And unfortunately, we're going to have to pass on more of the costs to our employees or, you know, eat the costs and, and erode our, our margins or our budget um, even more. So it's, I think it's, but I think people, I think it's changing. I think, you know, like you are looking at it in a different way. There's other people out there who are starting to do different things and, and look at it in a different way. So I think you hit the nail on the head, though, when you said that people are just kind of giving up and accepting it. And um, which is a little bit of a contrast to another argument that is, you know, people aren't accountable or people aren't responsible. And uh, the way I look at it is the, if, if I look at the root cause, the root problem of healthcare in our country, it's not that people are uninsured. It's not that people aren't accountable. I, I don't buy that at all. And, and I definitely don't buy trying to solve those two um, imaginary problems with more complex laws, whether it's health savings account laws or Obamacare, right? Those, that's more complexity. I personally think the, the root problem is we have so many layers of complexity that are confusing ordinary people, including ordinary business owners, including people like me and you mm-hmm. at some point, that those layers of complexity are hiding and disguising the, uh, the non-transparency of true costs of time and money and hassle and attention. Ordinary people, they're so confused and disillusioned by the lack of transparency that we just give up. And, and in essence, we're really just being outpaced and outmaneuvered the investor and shareholder class. And what I mean by that is if you look at the share prices, and you mentioned this earlier and you hit it, I mean, I, I was, I'm so happy you said this. It's not that the system's broken because it's working very well for some people. And I will tell you that if you look at the share prices since 2010, when Affordable Care, when Obamacare started, the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. every insurance company is up anywhere from 500 to 800%, most of it in the last two years. By contrast, the Dow is only up like 110%. So the, the insurance industry share pricing through the investors who are so are sophisticated, they've got a they've outpaced the Dow by five, six, seven times. They're so it's such a sophisticated investor market right now. Sure. The ordinary person who's confused and disillusioned is just being outmaneuvered. What our model does is it just puts them at the it just cuts those guys out. It says insurance companies, you're gonna be last. We still need you, but we don't need you at the front of this thing running it. You're doing just fine on your own. Let's go, especially particularly smaller companies. Well, I, I think, you know, one, all the players in the system, they're incentivized for higher healthcare costs. They benefit from higher costs. There's no incentive for the major players in the healthcare spectrum to actually lower costs. And it's bad service. It's a bad customer experience. Let's actually talk about the consumer patient experience in your model, because it starts off in a different way. You know, if I'm in, in my system, I'm on a high deductible health plan. And if I get sick, you know, I just have to, I have to call a doctor. I have to figure out where to go. But your model is a little different. If an employee needs any sort of health care, the first thing they have to do is they have to call a 1-800 number. So tell us why you have it set up that way and, and how that benefits the employer and the employee. Yeah. So let me correct something. They don't have to if they don't want to. But if they, but they do want to because if they do, it's 100% of the time, Michael, they will save money, they will save time, mm-hmm. and they will save a lot of hassle. So they want to. And if they don't do it and they just go right to the doctor, um, I, I promise you the doctor or the hospital, the emergency room will call us because they want to get paid. Mm-hmm. Well, 
they might already be in a doctor's office. They don't need to be there, but they're now they're going to have a bill that sure. we could have taken care of the phone for free for them. And so they, we, they learn very fast and they share it with their families and they share it with their, um, their coworkers mistakes that they might make at the beginning, but it, it, it's a fast learning. If I were to kind of look at what we do different, I got to look at what happens today. So when you said you just call doctor, you go, I'm, I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that, Michael, because okay. really what you did is you bought insurance first mm-hmm. and then you went and tried to get care, which means calling. Now you called the doctor's office, but before you got the care, you showed your insurance card, correct? correct. And now after you show your insurance card, now you try to pay for it, right? And mm-hmm. whether it's co-pays or deductibles, you try to pay for it. So insurance first, try to get care and then try to pay for it. That's the order today, insurance first. In our model, I've got six steps that happen before the insurance even gets touched. The first four are all healthcare. Okay. The last three, then I have two steps before the insurance that help me pay for it. And only if there's cost remaining, does the insurance even kick in. And I can tell you now, since 2007 in my company, the insurance company, if I follow those, because I follow those six steps in every single time and I've automated and created a process. I mean, I'm doing this now 10 years. So it's become a bit of a sport for us. And this is what we offered all our clients at our 6,000 members at um, Redirect Health. We have never had an insurance company pay one dime yet in 10 years. And we only, you know, in the last two years, we've started selling to other companies. Mm-hmm. So the, if, when we put the insurance last, it doesn't pay, we haven't had it pay yet. Now, it doesn't mean there's not a theoretical risk. We know it will. But the very for, from a customer experience, here's what it looks like. It actually starts at the enrollment time when they're setting up, their, when they're enrolling for, for the, the health care plan. Mm-hmm. And that means we identify the people who take medications, who have different diseases, different needs like diabetes and asthma for them or their kids. Uh, maybe they have they use narcotics for whatever reason. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's uh, chronic pain. Maybe it's failed back surgery. Maybe they have mental illness of some sort. Depression, anxiety are, are common. Not too much schizophrenia or bipolar, but it could be there. That would definitely uh, be an alert for us. Anybody with cancer, definitely. But even thyroid issues or history of kidney stones and stuff that we're we can kind of anticipate there might be a need in in the the future. We find that that represents somewhere in this commercial population that we deal with, and we deal with a lot of blue-collar workers that are a little bit younger, more male than female, but there's a mixture. We have companies of all kinds. We find that represents about 4% of our membership. We know that that 4% of our membership, remember a lot of it's dependents now, mm-hmm. is going to represent a big chunk of the, of the claims costs and the utilization and the calling our 800 number. Our goal, and, and I've said now there's seven steps. I'm talking about step one right now. Our goal is that those people never have to call us. Of course they do. But when they do, it sets off a whole bunch of alerts and, and other and algorithms and things that we do because it is a, a, a failure if somebody has to call us because it means we didn't, didn't anticipate something. And we're not afraid of failing. We, we expect to fail, but we set the bar so high that we fail often. But the goal here is that those people that 4% never calls us because every month or sometimes every week, we are reaching out to their, them and their families and solving whatever clinical health needs, logistical needs, transportation needs, financial needs, language needs, whatever they need in order to make sure they're getting their medications and getting their care in a, in a proactive way. So, By so doing me, that one give me, a, piece, give me a tangible example. Give me a tangible example. Great. So let's say that um, you don't make a lot of money, you work at a car wash, 
And um, you've got a little girl who's four years old, and she's not really as healthy as, you, as she should be. She's getting tired. You call us, you tell us that this, and we have her come in, and we look at her, and she can go anywhere in the country, you know, because we're coordinating it all. And we do, we probably do the blood tests, and we see that she's got diabetes, type mm-hmm. one diabetes. Four years old is a pretty common age to discover that. That's very serious, very serious. Children die if you don't take care of them. People die if you don't take care of them, get their insulin regulated. Mm-hmm. That person needs, that family needs so much help right now, not just to get the insulin or the medication, but education about the disease, education about how to test the blood so you can dose the insulin properly, education about, and, and logistical help about how to refrigerate the insulin, how to afford the glucose strips, the strips to measure the blood so you can dose it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, communication with us, how to explain, you know, even how to explain it to your spouse, how to explain it to the other children that you're pricking the finger of their, their, you know, their sister four times a day and she's crying and just all that, that goes on with it. And maybe you've got to change babysitting because now you got to teach the babysitter how to, how to take care of your little girl while you go to work in one of your two jobs. You know, it's just your whole life is disrupted. She hasn't even gone to school yet. And the next year right. she's going to school if she's right. four. Now you got to teach the, child, the, the teacher how to do it. And you've got to make sure it's refrigerated at school. And, and it, the, the mess around that is overwhelming. The logistics around it is overwhelming for that family. So we just put, we ha- and we can't do it with one person. And no doctor can do it. It's not even reasonable to say that a doctor does that in the real world, in the normal fee-for-service world, because we put a whole team around that family, and we educate them and fix logistics and get the, the make sure the medications are on auto order and the finances are figured out. And there might, you know, and I'll talk about how we pay for stuff in a bit if you want, but sure. we just make sure the healthcare happens by doing that, and we vision cast with that family of what happens if this happens. Here's what we're going to do next, but. We don't want this to happen, so we don't want to go to the emergency room. So here's what we do. But if this happens, then you do go to the emergency room. And, and there isn't a, a mom or dad out there that doesn't love the vision of, we're going to keep your daughter so healthy, she doesn't need to go to the emergency room. But if we fail, she's going to the emergency room, and here's what's, what you're going to do when we get there. And we're going to have a plan in place in case it happens. That's incredible that you spend that much time with those people. I just don't think I've ever heard any vendor, any company, any medical group spending time with patients like that. So, so this is, can I tell you something, Michael? This is what doctors do all the time with their own families. Mm-hmm. Everything I just told you is nothing different than what myself, every other doctor in the country would do with their own families or their neighbor's family even if they had the resources. All we did is we created a system to make it affordable and to make, and part of it is, we don't let the first dollars go towards the insurance, which is getting more and more expensive. We redirect some of those dollars to this very small group of people. And by keeping these small, very small group of people healthier or controlling their illnesses, they'll never be healthy, but they don't have to be sick. Those are two different things. But for the other 96% or so of the people of the membership, these are people where we want to be available. To, this is step two now of the seven-step process. We're available to them 24-7 in English and Spanish so that if they ever have a healthcare question, they have one thing to remember only, not this 
thick insurance manual that nobody understands and nobody can remember. And the HR director has to flip through it every time you ask him or her a question. It's one number, a phone number. If you call this number, let us know all that stuff. We don't even want to educate people on that stuff. It's so confusing and so disillusioning. Just let us do it and we will figure out what you need. We'll do a history, do an assessment. We'll get a doctor on the line. We'll create a care plan. We'll start filling prescriptions. We'll um, order lab tests, order x-rays, call you back with the results, call you back in a couple of days to uh, see, make sure that you're doing okay with the medication we prescribed. And when we do that second step, we find that 70%, 70% of the in-person visits aren't necessary. They disappear. So it's not just a telemedicine call. It's not just a triage call. It's actually taking care of people. And it might be a number of conversations. We're just building a relationship with them. And sometimes it's a five-minute phone call. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. Sometimes it's, it's a 10-second it's a text, right? It's, it's depending on what the relationship needs and, and at, at the time. But by doing that second step really well, now remember now, we've already taken the sick people out of the mix and they, they should never be calling that number. And if they do, it, we're on high alert because something went wrong, right? And we got a whole system that we implement if any of that first 4% actually call. And you, have, the and you have information about them in your system. So you know when Con, they call. Yeah, it would, it, it, you can look yeah, all it's that unacceptable. Would, unacceptable that we would ever talk to anybody without having their full, all the information we've collected at enrollment or during any prior calls or visits. If somebody needs an in-person visit, we, we arrange that for them at any primary care doctor or chiropractor around the country at no cost, I mean, no co-pays. We arrange it. But here's the key to making that work really well. Mm-hmm. They never, ever step foot in any kind of healthcare facility without their records and without the care plan, even a preliminary care plan, preceding them and arriving before they get there. So critical. So many people walk in their doctor's office and the doctor's not prepared and the doctor's running behind and they get through half of their questions, can't remember the other half. They don't, and they feel like they were rushed out and then they have to make another appointment if they want to keep doing it. In our system, I, we never, ever will allow somebody to step foot in a doctor's office or even an emergency room, if we can help it, without the treatment plan already being there. And intense collaboration between our team at Redirect Health and any of the doctors around the country. And we've gotten better and better and better as we've done this over the last uh, two years more, more than two years, of just knowing who collaborates, who doesn't in every city we work in and how to get through how to create the collaboration. Because I will promise you that the hospitals around this country, um, the doctor's office around this country do not know how to collaborate. So we have to teach them. And we've got methods to teach them how to collaborate in real time for the benefit of our members. And that saves incredible amount of time, incredible amount of money, incredible amount of hassle. And you know, just the brain cells don't get worse. You know, people don't worry. Sure. And uh, like, they, like they typically do. I mean, I, I'm sure. And, and, I'm sure the hospitals and the and the the doctors that get your call. I'm sure they they don't know what to do with it. They're like, wait a minute, you're you're calling us. You're you're sending us a patient. You already have information. You know, this is what I mean. You're giving them something that they they probably don't get from anybody else. Yep, and you know, especially an emergency room. Um, I will tell you that you know we have all kinds of escalation plans. So if we ever identify somebody needs to go to the emergency, um, you know, I can't tell you how many. Um, topic pregnancies or burst appendixes. We had a pneumothorax last week. We saved a gentleman's life. Um, man, that was a close call. 
this is somebody who would have died without redirect health because there was no way he was going into the hospital. And we, I think we called the ambulance for him and said, you're going and uh, we'll figure out the payment later, but you're going. And he had a pneumothorax. And uh, um, we, we have seen so many people who, you know, we, let me rephrase that. When we hear of people dying of burst appendix, Mm-hmm. Those are the people who are afraid to go to the emergency rooms for the most part because they're afraid of the cost they could incur. They're afraid. They're just so confused and disillusioned, and they've checked out so much from the system that sometimes they die. And uh, we've, we we can't have that. And so we guide people through everything, and we will escalate to our medical director twenty four seven in a situation like that. And our medical director then will call the emergency room that the ambulance is on the way to or the person's on the way to. And we'll have it. This is so important. We don't just transfer medical records. That is absolutely useless in an emergency situation. We have a person, a physician-to-physician dialogue narrative that's relevant. And that's key. We don't have a lot of time to talk about everything going on. We need to talk about the pertinent things and the arrival of this of this member and what's going on. And, and yeah, I'm going to fax you the lab tests that'll be relevant. I'll, I'll fax you the MRIs or anything relevant, but here's what matters right now when they get there. What we find is that that person, not only are they seen faster, but the physicians that are waiting for them are more prepared and more confident. And we don't have a lot of the unnecessary testing that happens. We have the necessary testing but we don't have unnecessary testing because the physician is not confident. And, they, and, and so that level of collaboration is really easy for a physician to get with another physician. It's very hard for an administrator to get that with another administrator at the, at the customer level, at the consumer level, the patient level, member level. Sure. But from a f- physician to physician, it's extremely easy compared to anywhere else. So we've incorporated that. And again, Michael, I'm just telling you the things that every physician already does with their family and their neighbors and their cousins and friends. We already do this, but we just figured out a way to do it for everybody in a systemized way that actually is funded through the savings with a lot more left over. And Absolutely. so I just kind of, I took you through, those are the steps we take to do healthcare. And I'm sure you're seeing right now how the, how the, how the, um, the outcomes go up, the customer experience goes up, and the costs go down. Those are three things that um, the world, the status quo part of the healthcare world anyway, tells us are impossible to have all three things together. Um, I'm here to tell you that you can't have any two of them. Any two of them are impossible. Three of them is possible. Mm -hmm. So take one or take three, but if we try to do two, meaning if you try to have lower costs and uh, better outcomes, you're going to sacrifice customer experience. Well, and customer experience is the one thing that that it seems nobody focuses on. You don't hear people talk too much about like, oh God, I just had this amazing healthcare experience because it just doesn't happen. You know, it's it's yeah. generally we, a poor experience. We've actually started this uh, this thing um, at the beginning. Quite the, we we get so many thank yous and it creates so much energy internally for us. And it's really it, we use it as fuel for our own team. We really do get excited about the thank yous and we do get attached to the relationships with people. And um, so we started, we created this uh, thing called the, the weekly energy update where every week we uh, internally, we're kind of our own little contest of who can capture um, the best thank yous that we got. And uh, you know, many of them are Spanish too. And we just write them down in Spanish and translate them. But little internally, just a little, I don't want to say contest, but a little bit of a game who can capture the best thank yous 
And we have five every week. We call it the weekly energy update because we do get energy around it. For those that are listening to us, you know, banter here about this, it's so different from the current model. And I just, I want to reiterate in, in my own words, you know, how I see it. And then you, you respond back to me to tell me if I've got it. So sure. you flipped the model, it's healthcare first. And so basically you're offering, you know, um, a capitated, you know, subscription level of care for, for basic services, but you're also doing really proactive care management, uh, which, which results in lower downstream costs. And so how this fits in with, with an employer's healthcare plan is they, they purchase the, the redirect health um, service or product. The insurance sits on top of that. And by insurance, we're talking about a self-funded model, uh, a TPA, a PBM, uh, you know, specific and aggregate, you know, stop loss. But what happens when you, you put the insurance on top of the healthcare is that the claims go down because of all the work you guys are doing in your piece. Is that what, is that what I'm hearing? Definitely. And, and we capitate it so that there's no incentive to, uh, to churn it or, you know, in the normal model is the more you do, the more you make. And some, and it, there's a lot of coding that goes in that system, but we want to have two minute phone calls anytime we want and not have to worry about coding and the transaction and, and bills. And for every transaction that nickel and diming drives us crazy too. I got to tell you this. I just heard that a new level of nickel and diming I'd never heard about this afternoon. Can I tell you about it? <laughs> yes. How ridiculous it yes. There is a hospital here in Phoenix and there, I guess there's a code for it. It's and it, they charge fifty dollars for it, <laughs> and it's the first skin contact mother and baby. That's horrible. So that's 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 awful. horrible, isn't it? I've never. I've, I, the, so we were looking. We had a hospital here in Phoenix. One of our members, they were trying to get a skin to skin contact charge of fifty dollars. That when the mom touched her baby for the first time. And, I, and we, just, I mean, it was it was easy to get rid of it because it's so ridiculous. But it's well, sitting there in the bill. I've never even heard of it before. And I've been in this industry for uh, I don't know, thirty years now. Yeah. I've never heard of such a thing. Well, but it exists, it's, I guess. It's it's ridiculous and it's also shameful, to be quite honest. Yeah. Just because that's such a special moment. So, I, I can't. Yeah. Even... But anyway, you were you're right on. Sorry to get off track, uh, but but you're right on. That that is, I mean, that's how we do it. And by and, if you do the routine care very well. The non-routine, expensive stuff in utilization dr- dramatically, but also we I didn't we didn't even talk about what we do in order to get fair pricing for that care. Well, let's, um, let's we lower the let, prices so much. Let's talk about that in a second. I want to go back and focus on the simplicity to the consumer. So you know they're going to call the number that's that's kind of the gateway into uh, the experience with Redirect Health for all of the basic care services. It's zero dollar copay. So that's a big deal. You know why? And that's a because big... I don't want to spend I don't want to spend money on a billing department that I have to charge the consumer for because they don't want it. It doesn't benefit them. But it's it's also a big deal relative to the current plans that are out there. It could be a PPO with deductible or you know office visit specialist copays. You know it could be an HMO, whatever it is. You know there's still a lot of out of pocket expense for just the basic stuff. Yeah, I, I think copays for routine services are so short sighted. And I think they're a big reason why we spend so much money on healthcare. It's just, it's an unnecessary barrier that drives people, encourage them to go to the expense of non-routine things when they don't need it. And it, and then they further get them with huge price differentials that are, you know, things are way overpriced over there, but it, it's our, it's a 
a winning move for anybody, get rid of your copays on the routine services and make it really easy to get. Transparency and simplicity are the answer to the root problems of healthcare. If you just put on the routine care, any business will benefit from it really fast. You know, Dave, I have a lot of uh, clients who are self-insured. Um, and so, you know, for, for me going out and, you know, putting together TPA, EBM, stop loss, that's pretty, that's pretty routine stuff. What you've done, you've taken a unique approach with how you, you pay providers, you know, when there's services at a facility or, or specialists, you know, above what's provided with Redirect Health. Talk to us about, you know, how you've approached payment of providers because you don't use a traditional provider network. So, so tell us why. Well, number one, if you use a provider network, you got to pay money. Usually it's what you tell me, is it $12, $16 a month per person just for access to the network? Uh, it can be that or higher. Is yes. it sometimes less than that? Yeah, that or higher. But we say, I'd rather spend that money. I don't want to spend money on networks and on insurance. I want that money to go towards health care. So I'd rather just take, take free up that money. Don't pay for the network. And then when somebody needs an in-person we reach out to that doctor and we say, here's the work we've done. Here's what we need. We're, we're not using insurance here because maybe they have a, a high deductible, right? Then the, the stop loss. And we just offer the fair price. We just know what the fair prices are in different communities. And it's a little different everywhere. And uh, sometimes they push back and say, well, the fair price is this. And we say, hmm, okay, that's fine. And then we just record it and we get them to record it. And uh, um, the services are paid for at the fair price. I will tell you though that particularly if you have well if you have a lower wage employee it happens all the time but it could happen with a high wage employee there are so many public and private federal state assistance programs out there mm-hmm. I mean hundreds of them some of them are very hard to access and to figure out and some of them took us 8 hours 8 days to figure out that now we got them figured out it takes us 8 minutes to implement one so we are always out there getting the fair price first and using any assistance programs, public or private for drugs or surgeries, hospitalizations, babies all over the country. Many of the times, almost all the time for a lower wage employee, there's no cost left over to even submit to the insurance. And that's a big way as well to get rid of cost is if there are programs out there, tap into them. Otherwise, people are, if you show your insurance card first, you're bypassing some programs. Now, I will tell you, though, that the programs that are there, um, I think they are genuine for the most part, but there are some of them that are there, but they're so complicated, You have one has to wonder if they're really genuine or if it's just the drug company wanting to say they have a program. Sure. For us, it really doesn't matter because we're going to yeah. get good at it, right? Yeah. So it might take us eight hours the first time, but we're gonna, we, we're, we are a learning organization. We have whole systems and technology built on learning. So that we can capture the learning and use it the next time in the same situation or a similar situation or sometimes even a different situation. But the learning about what fair price is and how to and who's going to collaborate and who won't and who collaborates easily and who has to be forced into a little bit more and and uh, where the assistance programs are and 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 there's even some language you can put in the initial documents that'll make it easier for someone like us to tap into an assistance program. Sure, um, but but that's a big part of keeping the cost down um, before you even submit it to the insurance, and that's a big reason why our insurance companies haven't spent any money yet. Is because we're so good at getting avoiding the the treatment if it's not necessary, and then getting the fair price when it is. And big part well, of that is going to the right place of service, and then using assistance programs wherever they apply. Yeah, so let's let's talk about. It. You said something. You said two words, 
probably most people have never heard. You said fair price. Here's the problem. In the, in, <laughs> oh, the current, sad, in the current model, there's no price transparency. You know, nobody knows what the fair price is. And so, you know, as, as an example, I think we've, we've talked about in the past that uh, a fair price might be, you know, 125% of Medicare for professional services and perhaps 150% of Medicare, you know, for facility services. Even at that level, if you look at that compared to network discounts, that can be that can be 50% less than what a traditional network discount is paying a, a provider for a service. I, I see differentials way bigger than that. I mean, here in Phoenix, we see, um, you know, a, a babies are going to range, you use your insurance card, babies are going to range anywhere from, let's say, $11,000 to $21,000 using your insurance card. So if you have a, you know, Four thousand to five thousand dollars deductible, double it for the family. So let's see. In this case, you're in a baby, you're in a part of family, but let's just double it for kicks. So you got a ten thousand dollars deductible, family deductible. You're gonna spend ten thousand bucks for that baby. But if you make fifteen dollars an hour, I mean, when how do you afford ten thousand bucks? You never it recover does, from that bill. It doesn't. It doesn't. You work. never recover. No. It no. just doesn't work. However don't use your insurance card. We get babies all over the country for cash for anywhere from $3,500 to $5,500 all day long, every single city in the United States. That's what babies cost. Now, of course, if there's complications, there's more, right? But I'm talking about normal babies. So why would you use your insurance card to have a baby? When the, the, It's just because we don't know better. And we're encouraged to always show the insurance card first. That's the insurance first model always costs more money. So our members, we encourage them, do not show any kind of insurance card. Payment is up to us. Let us sort out payment. Let us direct you to get the care and then let us sort out payment. And I mean, it's we know how to, how to not overspend for services. It's not reasonable that the average person, even the above average, even the brilliant person in America today can spend a fair price for their services. It's too complicated now. Yeah. This is what I really want people listening to understand. So essentially what's happening is there's no network. People can go wherever they want, but you're directing the care. And so what's happening is you're reaching out to those providers and you're pre-negotiating what the reimbursement is going to be for that provider. So somebody who needs to have a baby, you're reaching out to where it's going to be delivered and you're, you're pre-negotiating what that price will be before they get there. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. We used to talk that way too, like we're negotiating, but um, nobody on my team would say they ever negotiate because th- th- we just we just know the fair pricing and uh, we learn the fair price in every market we go to. And uh, we just offer the fair price and more times than not, they take it and that they say, well, well, no, it's not really a fair price. It's this. We generally just say, oh, OK. And then we we write it down. We capture the information. But then doesn't mean we don't make another call to another facility. So of if one hospital says the fair fair price is eight thousand dollars. If one, one hospital says that the, that the cost is $8,000, that's their fair price, well, we'll call another one and they'll say, we know somebody else is going to say it's $4,500. So now when we, you know, we're doing this behind the scenes. Now we call you and, or your wife and we say, hey, okay, we got two choices. Hospital A um, is going to cost, you've got a $5,000 deductible, 10000 for your whole family. Mm-hmm. So hospital A, the fair price is $8,500. And your responsibility will be $8,500 because it's in your deductible. Hospital B, though, we did some research for you, is $4,500. And 
And matter of fact, your doctor can go to that hospital too. And we've already called her and she says she doesn't mind which hospital she goes to. So you have a choice. Would you like to have a hospital A at 8,500 or hospital B for 4,500? The one in the hospital B might be five minutes further apart. Might be yep. half an hour. Who knows? It might yep. might not might be closer. It doesn't really matter. And for the most part, people care about their doctors. We've had people where we we've even talked to the doctors and we've told the doctors these differentials, and they have made some exceptions or got some temporary privileges at a hospital or or handed off to a coworker to help out in order to save a family two, three, four thousand dollars. Hospital doctors understand this. Uh, remember, doctors are people. And they get treated like objects by insurance companies, which are objects. But at the end of the day, doctors are people who happen to have a medical degree. And we care about people who happen to be having babies. And if people care about people. And uh, $4,000, if I can save somebody $4,000, the, the gentleman cleaning my pool who I've, I've talked to 10, 11 times over the last two years, uh, if I can save him $4,000, I'm going to do everything I can. And I barely know him. Right. That's what we do as people. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I don't want him overspending. I don't want anybody overspending if there's complete strangers. And and I think for the ma- the majority, I mean, vast majority of doctors, when they understand, when you give them transparency and you involve them in the cl- that's what I mean by collaboration, is you give them the data and you give them the problem and say, I'm trying to solve this problem for this person, for Mary who's having a baby and, um, you know, she's got a $10,000 deductible. And we can get it for you know forty five hundred here, and it's eighty five hundred here. Can you help us out? What do you think? Can you give us some advice? There's all kinds of help out there, and that that's what we do. We facilitate that. We know it's not reasonable for the average or even the again the brilliant American to do that on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too hard, but for us, it's really really easy because we've been doing it so long, and it's we really have it's fun for us. It's sport for us. Well, and, and we're and, always looking for new new ways to do it. And, and I think it's I think it's awesome, but I think. Part of this is a paradigm shift. It really is. I mean, for, for, since forever, people have basically come to accept that cost is what the cost is. And, it's, it, and we don't control it. You know, we, 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 it's going to be dictated to us by, you know, whatever the insurance carriers have negotiated. And I think the message here is that it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, employers, whether it's using reference-based pricing uh, or whether it's using, you know, a company like yours who goes out and actually, you know, uh, you know, negotiates it, you can you can actually have a lot of control over what the cost is. And I think that's yeah. a complete paradigm shift that that most people just don't understand. Yeah. And uh, the facilities around the country are very very reasonable. That's been our experience. And as a matter of fact, we had a meeting this week, and we we're trying to learn about you know when uh, a hospital tries to way overcharge somebody. And we're, you know, we, we, we're looking for those instances so we can learn. We've only had two of those instances in the last uh, over two years where there's been a balanced bill situation we had to deal with where hospitals trying to charge something just a totally unreasonable after we've already, you know, they've already told us what the fair price is and then they, they try to add something to it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the upside is it's only two times. The downside is it's only two times. So we haven't had a lot of opportunity to practice and to learn. So sure. we kind of want more of them so we can learn it because we have, we know that when we're faced with a problem, we have, we're very good at strategically learning how to overcome that problem and capturing it for the next time or the next 10 times or the next thousand times. Who do you think this is a good fit for? I mean, is this a good fit for employers of a certain size and, and who is it not a good fit for? 
Great question. And uh, we've been asking ourselves that for three years now, and uh, we've got it. We're more certain on it now than we've ever been. This is a great fit for people who are already dissatisfied with the current system, the insurance first system, dissatisfied. Not everybody's dissatisfied with it. Many people think it's too overpriced, but the system itself of getting care, doing insurance first, getting care, and then paying for it, for people, they, they might be upset with the cost of that, but the system works. But there are many people who like that system. They think it's ridiculous. I mean, to them, that's spending money on their car insurance first and letting their car insurance company tell them what color car to drive, how many doors they can have, what kind of tires to put in their car. Can they drive on this highway? Can they leave for work at 6 a.m. or do they have to wait till 10? I mean, there's some people that say, that would never work for me. Well, there's people who say that doesn't work for me in healthcare either once they know the difference. So when they hear that there's something different, if they say, well, that old system no longer, they never worked for me, they're dissatisfied with the system, they're great for us. That's number, that's number one. Number two would be this system is going to save money. It's going to prevent overspending. It's going to save time. It's going to do that. It can't not do that. It's done it 100% of the times we've, we've deployed it, 100% whether I was doing it free with my friends or now we're, you know, the subscription model. What I need is I need a structure. And this is where you're so helpful, Michael, and your knowledge of the self-funding and just setting up the TPAs and the PBMs is critical because when the money's saved, I want to make sure that money goes back in the employer's pocket. Because if it's in, I believe that a dollar in an, in an entrepreneur's pocket is going to be turned into $10 somehow. A dollar in a big insurance company's pocket is going to be turned into 10 cents a dividend for the shareholder. I just, I don't get excited about saving insurance companies money. I get really excited about saving business owners money. So some business owners are highly engaged and they're dissatisfied with the current system. We love those employers. Now, take it a step further. There's, we didn't even talk about this, but there's a byproduct that happens with zero, with, with first dollar coverage. And that's Mm -hmm. the workers comp cost just get destroyed. They go down. The current system, just I I won't go into all the details because of time, but the byproduct here is that the work injuries go down significantly so that the claims are about 30% of normal. And within about a two-year period, almost every employer we've dealt with gets to about 80% of their minimum level. So we see what's called EMODs dropping significantly. And by three years, um, every one of our clients are down to the minimum levels or close enough that it doesn't matter. But that's just a byproduct. So like a construction company that has uh, heavy, um, uh, lots of injuries in their workforce and the EMODs are high and the work comp costs are high. Um, All of our construction companies right now um, tell us, every single one of them tell us that the work comp savings is a much bigger deal than the savings on the uh, on the medical, um, the healthcare. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't matter. It's so, the work comp savings are so big that the medical does cost doesn't even matter. We have one company spend, I think, $350,000 total on healthcare costs, but mm-hmm. they saved, uh, I think it was 980000 last year in work comp premium. That's ridiculous. So, so their point is, uh, it doesn't <laughs> even, you know, the healthcare cost doesn't even matter anymore which gives them an incredible competitive advantage, of course, until everybody does it in their industry. And, and I'll tell you something, Michael, right now, and I know this is going to sound so far-fetched, and I'm a, I'll am take say it anyway, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that any company in America today, if they wanted to, could make healthcare work so well, so efficiently, so inexpensively, 
that they would absolutely want to, they'd be compelled to. It'd be a strategic business decision that would make so much sense to provide healthcare for free to all their employees and their families from day one of employment because of the free market competitive advantage they get. That's possible today, absolutely today. Now, it's not happening because people don't know how to do it. And a big challenge we have, it's not believable. People just don't believe it. But any company can do it today. I can't be the only guy in the country that can do that. I, I, I get, I mean, I provide it for free to my employees and I expect that for every dollar spent in healthcare, I expect an extra uh, $4 returned to me yeah. through increased well, productivity and a better team and recruiting costs going down, et cetera. Well, hey, I, I love that vision. And, and Dave, that's what this podcast is all about. It's, it's bringing information like this to more people to inspire confidence that they can do better, that they can do better than the status quo. They don't have to accept the annual increase that they're getting from their, their insurance carrier and that, and that we can do better as, as a country and as a society. If people are interested in redirect health and, and your service, how do they get in touch with you? How do they learn more? So the absolute easiest way to do it, now, now there's an ebook online or go to, uh, you know, re, so redirecthealth.com and there's an ebook there that, you know, they can do that if they want. And, uh, but the absolute easiest thing to do is sign up for a webinar. It takes about 30 minutes. We've got, we've got it down. People come out of that and they go, wow, I never thought it would be so easy to understand it. And uh, so that is the absolute best way if you're interested in knowing how to like go to next steps and actually implement something mm-hmm. and how to actually do it. Those webinars are, could do a better job than I could do for an hour on the phone in 30 minutes because they're structured. But just redirecthealth.com, click on the webinar. There's one for the employer. We'll take you through it. There's other resources and videos on the website, but that is the easiest way, the fastest way to really understand how to implement this. Awesome. And to figure out too, if it's a fit for your company. But at the yeah. end of the day, if you've got a pocket and you want money in it and you're a business owner, then you're a fit. Well, and, and you mentioned business owners, but you know, and, and this is uh, this is something that, um, you know, once the next recession hits and it's, it's out there, um, I think this is something that would greatly benefit public sector employers as well. Yeah. The problem with them, uh, Michael, is there's no pocket. If I, if I put $200,000 or $2 million in a public sector person's pocket, it's called uh, they go to jail. But if I put that same money in a business owner's pocket, it's called profit. So well, there is a, that's the difference that we find. I'll, 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 I'll debate you there because, you know, lower costs means, means there's more room for, for salary increases. And, and many of those people haven't seen salary increases because healthcare, you know, erodes whatever the public agency's budget is. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm teasing and I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm just trying to challenge you to get it done. <laughs> okay. Challenge, <laughs> challenge accepted. All right. Hey, Dave, okay, I'm, Dave, I'm there to help too. Any way you need. Absolutely. So, Hey Dave, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. I think this has just been an awesome discussion and, uh, I really hope that uh, some of our listeners take it to heart and uh, are inspired by hearing what you have to say here and and really look to check out Redirect Health. Uh, To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, uh, please subscribe to the podcast and share with any of your friends and colleagues who you think would find value in the information that we talk about here on the show. And with that, uh, we will sign off. Uh, Dave, have a great evening. And uh, to our listeners, wherever you're at, we hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And if you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at 
www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Redirect Health's website and contact information. Uh, if you have questions or comments about the podcast, we welcome your feedback. Please send it to us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast.